Hello and welcome to another episode of Interview with a Schizophrenic. Today I have the great pleasure of having Eric with me from the United States of America. Um, he is 32 years old and he's a diagnosis of schizoaffective bipolar type. So welcome Eric, how are you doing today? Um, doing pretty good actually, thank you for asking. Yeah, that's great man. Um, so what it is, my first question is always the same. Eric, I want you to give us a history of your mental health journey. What were your first symptoms? Um, how did you get diagnosed? Did you go into hospital? Did you, how are your doctors? Um, that sort of thing, just to get a feel for, for yourself and how your journey began. Okay. Um, yeah, so with me, um, I, I, mean, I was actually... Um, first started having problems as a child. Uh, my very first diagnosis uh, was when I was eight years old. Um, just because every like I had uh, issues with uh, my emotions, I would have these mood swings, and uh, everyone noticed, but me, I, I was completely oblivious because I was under the impression, you know, this is how everyone was. I, it, I at that age, I really just couldn't understand that I was different. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, so I had problems in school and then, uh, the school got my parents involved. My parents, uh, so at, at the time we actually lived in Florida, um, and Florida is kind of one of those States, like, especially in the nineties where mental health issues were not taken seriously. Um, so my parents sort of didn't take it seriously. They actually, uh, were telling me, you know, we think of this as just, your way of having ex an excuse to misbehave. Um, yep. So that kind of characterized how I viewed my mental illness uh, up until honestly, I was an adult, like I was 25 before I actually went to get help for myself. And by that point I was experiencing hallucinations and uh, you know, I would, I would hear things. Um, I was actually listening to your, your podcast with Jen. She said she saw uh, shadow people and that's actually exactly what I had been seeing uh, in my in my adult years fine so fine so what, as a child you you're kind of having like some sort of bipolar symptoms yeah when you were younger you, you know man I mean a lot of kids do have mood swings yeah you know? oh absolutely you know, there's, there's, it's very, most, a lot of kids are quite like that, I think, but okay, okay fine. So maybe it was quite extreme. So you had problems in school um, and your, the mental health was not taken. To, yeah, mental health has has kind of grown over years, the awareness of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like one of the reasons that I do this podcast is because schizophrenia is still in the shadows. Um, so schizoaffective, they're, they're kind of in the shadows, whereas it's kind of like the anxiety and depression, which is getting a lot of press. Yeah. Um, which is fine, but, um, you know, we, we we need awareness for all the conditions, not just uh, anxiety and depression. I agree. Um, so then you had hallucinations. These were visual hallucinations. Did you have any auditory hallucinations? Yeah, um, and that actually is a problem that still persists. Um, in fact, I l literally yesterday I just started a new antipsychotic. Um, uh, the auditory hallucinations I have, um, because I have a like history with uh, my parents where they were very, um, they just like 
talked down to me a lot. They insulted me a lot. And my mind sort of plays that on repeat. Um, and so I get hallucinations like that. But for me, it's uh, really bad because like the, I don't hear them. The, I hear a specific voice. And it's actually um, someone who I was engaged to years ago and who died. So mm-hmm. it's like being haunted by this ghost that for some reason is just uh, constantly insulting me and trying to tell me to kill myself, things like that. How long has this been going on for? Um, so the hallucinations started uh, when I was, I would say, 22, uh, I believe. Um, how does it make you feel, Eric? Well, I just, it, it really destroys your self-confidence. Like, especially if, because the person, uh, like, I recognize that voice. I'll never forget it. She was not just my fiance, but my best friend. Um, so it, it's like, you know, if you're someone who you loved just came back to you uh, every once in a while to tell you you're a piece of shit, you know. I mean, y- you just can't have self-confidence with that happening. Um, Fine. Um, yeah. Because I kind of want people to understand how it feels like to have these conditions, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, did you have any other symptoms apart from the hallucinations? Um. So I, I do. I've actually something I've uh, had since I was a kid. Um, I've actually kind of uh, been able to deal with it uh, as an adult. Was I would have delusions that people could hear my thoughts. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I was really, uh, you know, part of that does come from, uh, you know, like my upbringing uh, with my parents. Like if, if I had a journal, I, I don't keep journals anymore because as a child, if I had a journal, they didn't like what they saw in my journal, they beat me for it. Um, and then just sometimes people would uh, re- act towards me certain ways that I did, I wouldn't understand unless, uh, you know, they could see like some of the dark thoughts that were in my head. And I started to think that maybe people mistreated me because they knew what I was thinking. You know, they knew that there's something going wrong with me. Um, is that delusion still persist, persist um, now? It's, uh, it, it does, but it's something I've, uh, been able to cope with. I've actually developed the skills to really deal with it and understand that, you know, I do have a private internal life. Okay, fine. I mean, so tell us how, how what sort of emotions go through you when, when those delusions were at their worst, what, tell us how that felt like. I, it's, uh, you know, I feel so paranoid, um. You know, if you think you can't think things, um, you, you just you try not you try to just put everything out of your head. Don't think anything or or, or just try and think, uh, you know, about like happy things, like positive things, like think about compliments about all the people around you, because, hey, if they can hear you, I mean, they're not going to fault you for that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so- um, yeah. Sorry. Carry on. Uh, and just. uh not being able to trust people because you don't know it's like if you don't know like what people know about you i guess it's very hard to trust what they think of you yeah kind i kind of feel that um a lot of folks with these conditions just want to be honest don't they they just want to tell the truth because they don't they want the truth from people they talk to you know yeah um and and you know and that 
in a way that that's a good thing, really, because, yeah. Okay, um, so are you, you're on medication, right? You're on antipsychotics, or...? Correct. Um, uh, antipsychotic, I had just started, and of course, I'm on lithium for uh, the mood swings to stabilize. Yeah, because you've got bipolar type schizoaffective. So schizoaffective um, is generally a combination of schizophrenia symptoms and bipolar symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, so that means you get the psychosis, the hallucinations, and the mood swings. So I... So, I, what I want to know also is how does the medication affect you? Well, um, this uh, new antipsychotic uh, is called Rixolti. Um, one, I'm sort of uh, noticing just like a, a very common side effect with a lot of uh, atypical antipsychotics where you get like, uh, you know, you get stomach aches, stomach cramps. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Uh, it was a little harder to sleep last night. Um, that's actually kind of why, like, I, I wanted to get up earlier for this, but, uh, you know, it just it, it happens that way sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to ask about your sleeping patterns. Um, do you feel that is, how, how, do you feel that is affected by the medication? I mean, what, what was the reasons that you changed your medication? Was it because of the side effects or the efficacy of it? Uh, it was actually uh, both. Um, so uh, I was on Risperdal, um, and I've actually posted this uh, b before, that how it just makes me so anxious. Um, but it also really wasn't doing anything for me. Mm. Uh, I actually, uh, so I, I, had been, I've, I have been hospitalized multiple times uh, throughout my life. And I basically, they gave me Risperdal and, uh, I, when I was in the hospital last year, like it, literally a year ago. Um, and uh, I, I just, I, I hated the place I was in so much. Uh, there was so much violence uh, around me. There was so much conflict. It was, uh, it was a scary place to be. It's, it's actually a pretty no notorious uh, hospital in my area. Um, so I'm just like, you know what? Risperdal is great. I want to get out of here. Let's go. I'm, I'm cured. No voices. Never heard anything. We're good. Let's go. You know. Okay, fine. I mean, you know. I, I think also the life of someone with this condition, like you say, you've been hospitalized multiple times. It's difficult to find that stability, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and also you kind of, what helps with making a person stable is a good support network and also support from the state as well. I mean, how do you feel about the support that you're getting? Um, so it's, it's like a mixed bag. Um, I have uh, a wonderful partner who is 100% supportive. I couldn't, you know, ask for a better person to be with me. Um, you know, and uh, the um, my family I do have as supports, but uh, they're they have like there's only so much they can really do because they kind of have a difficulty understanding like some of the problems that I have. Um, like it, you know. If I'm mad, like I, I've been manic for the past few weeks, and I'm like, I, I've probably averaged maybe at most hours sleep at night for the past few weeks. Okay. Um, and they, they don't like when I'm like sleeping all day, it's like I can't sleep. I, I literally can't. I try, I meditate, you know, I drink chamomile tea. I, uh, you know, I wind down. I do, I do all these like th these rituals to try and help me sleep. Yeah. And it's just, uh, the illness just does not care. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, because, you know, like for me, I guess the two major side effects for antipsychotics is the drowsiness and also the weight gain. Have you, have right. you noticed anything about the weight gain? Is that something that has affected you? Um, so I, like, yes and no. Well, yeah, I, I've gained a lot of weight in the past, like, four years. In the past four years, I've gained 100 pounds. Um, but it's it's hard to say that it's because of the uh, antipsychotics because I'm also eating a lot and drinking a lot of like soda and stuff to cope because I don't really have that healthy of coping skills. Okay. So Eric, what I want to ask you is, um, do you work or how is your day-to-day life at the present? Yeah, so uh, daily I... Uh, my primary occupations are, I, I don't like work in the terms of like, I don't have a job employed with someone else. Um, I'm currently getting disability uh, from social security. And uh, I do other things like I donate plasma for money. And, uh, but I'm also, I work, go to school full time and I take care of my daughter. Okay, fine. Um, what, yeah, okay, fine. So are you, are you going to school to look for work or, or is there a reason because of the illness that you find you feel that work is difficult? Can you tell me the barriers to work for someone in your position? Oh, absolutely. Because uh, th- this is uh, something also that uh, I think my family has a little bit of trouble understanding too. Is um, so when you don't have a-, a degree, you're pretty much working in uh, customer service or food service jobs uh, in my area. Um, or you, you know, you're doing sales, but, um, these are all things that require, you know, interacting with people a lot. And, um, for me, like I, I, I can do it. Like when I'm stable, I'm good. Like I'm really good. I, I do very well in these jobs. I, I've worked sales for years. Um, you know, I, I cause I, I did work for most of my life. Um, but you know, when I start to get psychotic, it's like people don't want to go to a cash register, um, to have them talking to someone who's not there. Nobody wants to talk to that person, you know, yeah. or same with sales, you know, nobody wants to go to a sales meeting to have them, uh, to have me like quietly sitting there, uh, like a s- scared squirrel, afraid to say anything to them, you know? And has this affected you as a person, um, your kind of, your, your sort of retina reticence, you think, well, you know, I, I've seen it, what happens before. And I just don't want to go through this again. Um, I mean, tell me about that. Yeah, there is definite trepidation with rejoining the workforce for me. Uh, I think, and essentially this is what uh, I find the value uh, of school in because, you know, if I'm confident in something, even if I, like, even if I feel out of place or even if I feel scared, when I'm confident in my ability to do something, it's just, it's, it's night and day, you know, I, I can still hold my own and not, you know, buckle. But like, if I'm like, if I'm not confident in my ability to do something, like if I don't feel I can really sell to a person, because I'm like out of my head, then it's just, you know, to me, it feels like climbing up, you know, a mountain. It's just, it's so hard for me to actually approach that situation with, uh, you know, saying, you know, I can do this. Yeah, I think uh, genuine, Genuine confidence in your ability to do a task is so important for people with mental health problems because we find it very difficult to be, to fake confidence. 
you know, right. because we're, we're, we just, we just be who we are. And so I think genuine confidence in the ability to ask is so important. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah. Okay. So, okay, uh, Eric. Yeah, so let me ask you some more questions. I've got a list of questions here. Um, do you read any books? I mean, what sort of books do you like? Yeah, uh, I love books. Uh, ever since I was a child, I was constantly reading. Um, I mean, you know, right now I'm doing a lot of reading of textbooks. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for leisure, I, I like, uh, like I'm, I was really into A Song of Ice and Fire, um, the, you know, the Game of Thrones book series. Um, and also, like... Does it help you? Does it help you reading? Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, anything that can distract me. Um, you know, a good story, if it can distract me, will, like... It, it's very therapeutic. And honestly, I, I feel it's a solid uh, coping skill. And, and what about movies? Do you like to watch movies? Yeah. Um, so I'm really into horror movies. Uh, well, horror <laughs> movies and comedy. So I like the combination, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I watch those with, uh, you know, with my partner, watch it with our daughter. It's, you know, it's fun. Uh, and that's, again, you know, that's coping for me. That's how I can keep myself sane. I mean... What what would you do? You, how do you feel people people sort of understand um, schizo affective schizophrenia? How do you feel people understand that? You know, just regular people. Um, well, I mean, just from my perception of I I look at uh, obviously social media and uh, you know popular me popular uh, media like movies and stuff. Um, for, to kind of get an understanding of how people at large view things. And if you go look at Hollywood movies, you know, schizophrenia is kind of like, you know, people think it's like you go on some, uh, you, you know, adventure in your head, you know? Yeah, yeah, every, everything's, everything's beautiful, you know, kind of, but a little bit scary. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Think of films like Sucker Punch and, uh, and, um, Shutter Island, those sorts of films, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I like the movies. I, you know, I don't, I don't uh, dislike the movies because of that. But I think like it's hard for people. It, like they try to put things in a way uh, people can relate or at least understand. Yeah. And that you know, I mean, that's a problem with any type of scientific endeavor. Uh, people like pop sci more than actual science because. It's easier for them to digest. Nobody can really sit there and go through the whole DSM and be like, oh, this is what all these disorders mean. You know, they just don't have time for that. I mean, these conditions are kind of lifelong. I guess that's one part of the severity of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do, how do you feel about that? Do you, do you, I mean, because like for me, I don't really think about it. I mean, what is your take on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, for years, uh, like I didn't get treatment because I never thought of like myself as having a problem. Yeah. Uh, so and sure, like, you, you know, when, when when you don't understand you have a problem, like you don't think of it as anything. Like it doesn't even occur to you that there's an issue. So you're just like everyone else. Uh, but like when you look at it from the lens I have now, 
Um, I try not to think, you know, I have a lifelong disease. I think I have lifelong habits I need to develop because I'm always going to be in recovery. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you feel you've experienced um, discrimination before? Um, yeah, I mean, so I, it's in a way, but I guess like I don't really know uh, what I expected people to do in some of the situations I put them. Like, you know, I, I, I have to call out a lot when I had to call a lot uh, – when I worked a, a job in a uh, like a disc replication factory like ten years ago, um, so I, I got fired, and I mean that's like nowadays um, with uh, FML, FMLA and all of that in uh, the states, like they can't really do that. So you know, from the lens of now, that would seem like discrimination. But back then, we didn't have those rules, and I couldn't have expected anything else. Um, so it's. But I mean, actually, you know, a, a probably a more poignant example is I have in school when I was a child, because there were some really uh, kind of damaging experiences I have. Like one time uh, I, for a while, the teacher, like if I started to act up, like I, if I was manic and like I was talking a lot, you know, very jittery, uh, they put me in like the broom closet because in, you know, those <laughs> schools back then they had closets. They they put you in the closet as a punishment. You have to do wow. your work there. I mean, do you think you suffer from self-stigma where the stigma is how we're brought up with the condition? Because I think this is quite a common thing where we where we kind of like attack ourselves, you know, with, oh, come on, you, we can do this, we can do that. You know, it's all in my head. Do you, do you think you, you suffer from self-stigma? Um, I definitely have. Um... I'm, I'm not I think I have a good uh, perspective now but growing up you know my parents you know were saying you're only do, you're only doing this to misbehave an excuse to misbehave and like yeah. that's what I believed I actually believed for the longest time there's nothing wrong with me I'm just choosing to be bad yeah. and it's a difficult mindset to get rid of if you grew up with that I guess you know right. What about bullying? Have you been, maybe as a child, possibly you were, but as an adult, have you faced adult bullying? Um, you know, I see, I don't like to think of it as because from my background, my dad has always tried to like tell me, you know, it doesn't matter what people say about you if you, you stand up for yourself, you know. So, like, if I say, you know, people have like always like made fun of me for like you know i have i have ticks and stuff like that where i'll just i'll, I'll get in my head and i'll be twitching and, and things like that you know people make fun of you for that stuff if you have weird little idiosyncrasies like even people like your boss like your manager will like bust your balls over that um so i mean in a way but i don't like to think of it because like as bullying because you know i i did tell them off like i would get mad if people uh got too aggressive with me or you know, so it's not like I just was a victim. I did try to stand up for myself when I could. Yeah, I guess. I guess what I think. I mean, you. You know, I'm sure you. You. You can. You. You're a strong person, but the issue is, is that sometimes we are vulnerable, and yeah, 
you know, and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, yeah. it's just, it's just maybe it's a bad day and we're not able to portray that public face that we all have. Um, and, you know, so it can be difficult sometimes, I think. Um, uh, I, I definitely agree. Yeah. I mean, Eric, what would you, how would you like um, the public to change? How would you like the world to change to acknowledge your condition? Well, honestly, it's not even just like my condition or any mental illness. I think there's a, a key uh, way that the world, our society needs to change. Um, and that's to just like chill the fuck out, you know? You know, like you don't have to be on someone's case. Like you don't have to like see something that like seems off to you and instantly insult someone over it. Just like move on. It's you it doesn't have to be your business. You know, just uh, stop going out of your way to make other people mis miserable. Like we're all miserable because of other things in, in our world. Our, you know, we were born to a world of scarcity. Things suck for a lot of people and we don't need to make it worse for each other. Yeah, I think I think there are a lot of people talk about narcissists and um, they cause a lot of problems. It's difficult to pigeonhole people like that, I think. It's probably yeah. sort of narcissistic behavior in some folk. Do you know, do you know what I mean? It's not, I yeah. don't think anybody, it's not black and white, is it? Um, right, right. But yeah, there are, there are some people who can be cruel and unkind and, and it doesn't help society, like you say, you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, just, um, just wanted to add, just in general, I, um, you know, just, uh, all of us, I think everyone can benefit just focusing more on uh, improving ourselves over bringing down others, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, to me, when you say those sorts of things, I tend to think we need to be kind of more spiritual rather than, you know, material, capitalistic, all this sort of thing, but more spiritual where we, where we feel sort of more compassion to our fellow man, to our fellow woman, a compassion for nature, a compassion for all living things. You know, I think, I th you know, I think that's kind, that's what I think when you talk about those sort of things, you yeah. know? Um, and it's difficult because it's, it's not like religion you know, where, where they're just trying to teach you how not to go to hell. But spirituality right. really about just being more compassionate to, to folk. I think it's so important. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you 100% there. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I, I feel like, because uh, when I was young, uh, down in Florida, like it's, there's a lot of like religion. Um, I was kind of sucked into that because that's just what's around. Uh, and I was a, I was pretty devout Christian as a kid, um, but I, I started to realize I wasn't I didn't care so much about the Christian churches. I was just extremely respectful, or I had just had a lot of respect for Jesus Christ and like his philosophy. I didn't mm -hmm. care about the Old Testament. I just liked Jesus and the way he thought of how you should treat people. 
Yeah, I, I had these comics. I, mean, I think when I was in hospital, this long time ago, about about 50, over 15 years ago, maybe longer than that, but I had these comics of Jesus Christ's life, and that was so much more useful for me than any any religious education lesson or any Bible, because it, it just Jesus was like a really cool guy. Like, if there was like an authority figure, he would point out, he was a bit like Socrates from ancient Greece. He would he would point out the, the what they were doing wrong. He was like kind of like a rebel to authority, which is which is really cool, and you don't really hear so much about it. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Eric. I think we're, we're about to wrap this up, and um, I just I just got two more questions for you. The first question is I I want you um, to speak about anything which I haven't asked you so far. Um, if there's anything you would like to talk about, please do. Um, well, so one thing I uh, I struggle with, um, and, and you know, especially when you get psychotic or you get manic, and you're, you're experiencing th these things at the same time, tend to get very irritable. Um, one thing everyone should really uh, try to understand is, even if you're you know extremely mentally ill, do everything you can just to be even if it's the hardest thing you can do just to be kind to the people around you the people that are in your support network even if they're not perfect even if sometimes they can't be there for you just you know give them a smile and tell them you appreciate them you know even if you're in your darkest moment it's gonna make you feel better if you just appreciate someone who's been there for you yeah that's good advice man you don't you don't often hear that perspective but yeah that is, that's, uh, that takes a, a heck of strength of character, I think, um, to be able to do that. Yeah. Okay. And so, Eric, the final question is, um, what type of music do you like? Um, what kind of genre? Um, so I'm extremely eclectic. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I have, I'm really into, uh, uh, like, bro composers like Bach. You know, I mean, it's, it's like, pretty mainstream composers yeah. like Bach and then romance uh, Beethoven and Mozart and all that uh, and uh, but you know I also get really I have I like heavy metal I like some uh, uh, more like older bands I don't really know how to define their genre but I've been really into like Creedence Clearwater Revival okay. uh, and uh, you know kind of like I guess it's like 60s 70s type of music okay um, okay, well, you know, that's fine. Um, I just want to say thank you for speaking with me and to speaking to our listeners and just helping to get that knowledge out there, that awareness, that education of schizoaffective and schizophrenia, you know, these conditions. You know, I just I just want to say thank you, man. You know, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks so much for giving me the opportunity. Problem at all, man. Thank you. Bye. Bye.